Nehemiah chapter 2 tonight, verse number 19 and 20. Verse, chapter 2, verse 19, But when Samballot the Horonite, and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and the Geshem, and the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn, and despised us, and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Then answered I them, and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us, therefore we his, we his servants will arise and build, but you have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Uh, chapter 4, turn to chapter 4, verse 1. But it came to pass that when Sambalat heard that these, now you listen to these guys, these guys, you're going to listen to hear these names throughout this book. But when Sambalat came to pass that when Sambalat heard that we built the wall, and he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and an army of the Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in the day? Will they receive the stones, revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah and Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their walls. Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turned their reproach upon their head, uh, their own head, and gave them for a prey unto their own land. Go down to verse number 7. But when it came past that when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the wall of Jerusalem was made up and they, that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem to hinder it. Down to verse number 11. And our adversaries said they will not know neither see till uh, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. Verse, chapter number 6. Verse number 1. Now it came to pass then, who? Sambalat and Tobiah, the Geshem, the Arabian, and the rest of the enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates that Sambalak and Geshem went, said unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in one of the villages, the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down on you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. Verse number uh, go down to verse 5, and then, then Sanballat his servant sent unto me like light manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand, wherein was written, It is a report among the heathens of the Geshma, said it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the walls, that thou mayest be their kings, according to these words. And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach the, thee to Jerusalem, saying, These is, there, there is a king in Judah, and now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Now come, therefore, let us take counsel unto to them. Look at verse number 11, 10. Go back to 10. 
Afterward, I came up to the house of Shemar and the son of Delilah and the son of Michal, who was shut up, and he said, Let us meet together in the house of God. We're in the temple, and let us shut the doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night will they come to slay ye. And I said, should, should such a man as I flee who is there, that being as I am, would go unto the temple to save his life, I will not go in. And lo, I perceive that God has not sent him, but they, that he pronounced this prophecy against me, for Tobiah and Sambalat had hired them. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you tonight for your words. Well, Lord, we just ask you to touch us, open us our eyes, and open, help us to understand and realize just where we're standing in this world today. Give us peace and understanding, Father, and we'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. One of the constant themes you'll see, you'll find from the time Nehemiah puts the shoe to the letter, leather into the ground, trying to build a work for the king, all the way to chapter 13, when the wall is built, when everything is sealed up, and one of the constants that you will find from chapter 2 all the way to chapter 13, there is always enemies trying to hinder the work of the king. In Nehemiah's lives, constantly these in, uh, enemies are, uh, are aggravating, they're frustrating, they're, uh, they try to stop what God is doing through Nehemiah. Though Nehemiah, now we have looked at listening for a call and we've uh, and, and building the wall, and tonight we're going to look at the subject, living with the enemy. Can I say we're living in a time and a day that we have enemies on every side of us tonight? I want y'all to understand something. Enemies are not something that God is fixing to totally take out of your life. As a matter of fact, it is good to have a few enemies in your life. I believe that God puts some of the enemies in your life to keep, your, uh, keep you on your toes and keep you on your knees. God will, in fact, let enemies come into your life to test your mettle to see if you're going to quit or throw in the towel. At the first sign of a opposition or you're going to do what is right and keep on standing regardless, regardless of the opposition that is constantly coming against you. And it is going to be constant. Can I say that? The Nehemiah, the name Nehemiah, who this book is written for, the name is only mentioned seven times in this book. But his enemies, Sanballat and Tobiah, are mentioned 24 times. The enemies are mentioned more than Nehemiah. And that tells me something. Enemies will be a constant companion of the Christian experience you have today. If you're one of these weak Christians that don't want any enemies, don't want anybody to not like you, you want everybody to talk good about you, well, you done join up with the wrong group. You join up with the wrong group. If you don't got anything wrong in your life, you got no fight in your life, there's going to always be a constant companion of the enemy in the Christian experience. I, I find the apostle Paul wrote the, about the enemies in his day. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. Be there also aware of his works. He said, Hymenaeus and, and Alexander, whom I delivered unto the Satan, that they learned not to blaspheme. Paul talked about his enemies in his life. He said, the Lord will reward them for their works. And even Paul knew what 
uh, it was like to have enemies. Jesus Christ said to enemies, if you think God and glory came down and, and dawned flesh, a man did not have enemies, what makes you think you're never going to have enemies? Jesus said, if, if for it must needs to be offense. That, that's a bold statement. There has to be some offense. But woe unto the man from whom the offense cometh. God will deal with your enemies. God will deal with them for you. You don't have to worry about them. Just go ahead and make your mind up. They're coming. I know they're coming. They're going to talk bad about you. They're going to lie about you. They're going to ridicule you. They're going to point their finger at you and say, you've done this, you've done that. They're trying to get you to stop doing what God wants you to do for Him. Don't let a bunch of hypocrites backslidden stop you from doing what God has called you to do. He'll keep you from serving God. He'll keep you from finishing God. He'll keep you from walking, walking with God. Make your mind up. I'm going to serve God regardless if anybody else does. Offenses come. It must needs. Let me say this to you. You've got to see deeper than the person that the enemy is is causing the offense. The Bible says we wrestle not with, against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and in high places. There is a bigger enemy behind those. If, let me just say, if somebody is your enemy, you ought to just look deeper behind them because there's someone behind them that is a lot bigger than them that's causing them to come after you. Whatever that person in your life is, that enemy is trying to draw you away from God, the church, your prayer life, reading your Bible, and he's just constantly frustrating you and trying to get you to lose your temper and, and lose your testimony and trying to get you to fall out and quit on God. Whoever that is in your life, you look at them real hard because there's someone behind them that is bigger than them that's causing them. To, he's just using them to pull the strings in your life. And here in our text, we find the enemy is constantly harassing, constantly hindering. They're, they're constantly trying to halt the work of God. Does anybody know tonight what I mean about enemies? If you're the type that doesn't want enemies, you want everybody to talk good about you, not say bad things about you, well, this is how you do it. Do nothing for God. Say nothing for God. Yes, sir. Be nothing for God. But as soon as you start being something for God, saying something about God, and start doing something for God, you're going to have enemies. When you start doing that, when you start living your life for God and, and God has gotten you full, you become a blimp on the devil's radar. He, he, he wants you. There will be enemies in the midst of things. They're not going away. They're here until the very end. You've got to learn how to live with the enemies. Tonight we're looking at this, this thought, living with the enemies. How in the world can you survive and live with enemies in a, all around us. 
We understand that the, enemy, the enemies are here. They're not going anywhere. The world, the flesh, the devil, sometimes the flesh that is your own enemy is your own flesh. And sometimes it's other people's flesh. Other people's tongues, other people's words, other people's lives. And sometimes your enemy is your own self. Regardless what's going on, you're going to have to fight some enemies. And that's what Nehemiah said. There's going to be some enemies that you're going to have to fight. You're not going to have to. You can't give up. If you give up, the work will stop. I'm going to try to give you some help tonight. How you can survive living with the enemy. Because that, because that is what Nehemiah has done from chapter 2 to chapter 13. Sambalat and Tobiah don't go away. Do you know, realize that uh, they don't go away. Nehemiah doesn't stop either. Even though the enemy is still after him and frustrating him and, and hounding him, Nehemiah never stops his work for God. It would make, he made it been much more easier said, God, why don't you just get rid of them? Why don't you take Sambalat and, and Tobiah and just get rid of them? But he doesn't. You ask, what is the point in that? Paul has said in 2 Corinthians, when he had the thorn in the flesh, the messenger Satan buffered me. He said, Lord, I can do a lot more work for you if you just remove this thorn from my side. If you just take the enemy that's against me, if you just get rid of it, I could do a lot more for you. Jesus says, I want you to learn something. It's in your weaknesses when you see my strength. That's when I become strong. And in your weaknesses, he becomes perfect. There's one thing that we'll find. Nehemiah and his people learn how to lean on God a lot more than the enemy are present than when the enemy are not present. Amen. When everything's going good in your life, there's nobody coming after you. You seem to lean on yourself. Well, let me tell you what the enemy's out there, and they're coming to stop you. They're coming to halt you. They're coming to hinder you. And when that happens, you need to learn to lean on God a lot more than you do when everything's going. So what is it that you need to have in your life to get you to survive when the enemies are coming after you? First of all, you need, you're going to need a prayer life. You're going to need a prayer life. I love how Nehemiah handles most of the attacks and the enemies. Almost every time the attack comes, Nehemiah, through letters, through words, through uh, accusations, through threats, uh, through whatever they come at him. I love how Nehemiah handles it in chapter 4, verse 3. Now, Tobiah the Ammonite was by him and said, Even that which they built, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone walls. Now watch how Nehemiah handles this. Verse 4, he said, Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for pray, pray into the land of captivity, and cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from there before thee, for they have provoked thee to get a ganger, Anger before the builders. You see what he does? He prays about it. 
He, he doesn't stop the work and come down and, and, and point his fingers at him and get in a bickering party. He said, you know what? You sent this. You're accusing me of this. You're accusing us of this. I, I'm just going to take what you said and I'm going to the Lord and I'm going to ask God to help me with this. They're, they're conspiring against him. Then in verse 7 and 8, and, uh, and he's conspiring against him. But in verse 9, he said, nevertheless, in spite of the threats, in spite of the conspiracy, in spite of all them trying to stop us, we made our prayer unto God. They're not going to stop. They just don't, they're just making a prayer to God. Look at uh, chapter 6, verse 9. For they that all made us afraid, saying, The hands shall be weakened from the work that is to be done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hand. Look at verse 14. My God, think of Thank thou upon Tobiah and Sambalat according to these words and on the prophets of Noah and the rest of the prophets that they would have put me in fear. You see what Nehemiah's combating strategy is? Somebody comes to Nehemiah and says, you heard what they're saying about you? You heard what they're writing about you? They said this wall is not going to be standing for long. They said the foxes can come in and push it down. They said before long they're going to slip in here and kill every one of us. You see what's going on, Nehemiah? Nehemiah, did you read the latest letter they wrote against you? They have put up, put up against you. They have got this hit job out on you, Nehemiah. They're trying to take you down. Nehemiah, have you heard? Have you seen what they're doing? What are you going to do about it, Nehemiah? Let's just draw swords. Let's just go out and bust in heads. Let's break some jaws. Let's just go out and do that. But Nehemiah's combat strategy is this. Nehemiah says, here's my combat strategy. We're not going to drop to a our knees, and we're going to call on God. We're going to drop to our knees and call on God. We're going to watch a God that hears in secret and rewards us in openly. We're going to fight on our knees, and we're going to take it to God. And watch God do something for us. What we cannot do for ourselves, we're going to watch God do it for us. Can I say about this, Nehemiah's prayer life? His prayer ain't just for protection. He, he's, his prayers are a, a pop-off valve, if you will. A, a prayer is always to release pressure that's built up in your life you, that you can't release any way else that's just building in your life. You read these verses, you can see the pressure in Nehemiah's life. He's gotten all these people that he's trying to keep working, trying to keep fed, trying to keep happy, and all this burden on him, and yet these enemies are coming at him and one side to the other side. It's such a large load for Nehemiah to carry. And it's all on him by himself. And he's got to get release some pressure out of it. And I love what he does. His pop-off vow is prayer. He prays to God. He needs a way to release his pressure. Today's people, they will seek out a psychiatrist and lay down on the couch and say, Brother, this is what, you know, did you hate your mother? Did you hate your father? You know, they tell them all that. And I'm just saying, in some cases, may warrant that. 
But the greatest pop-off valve release that you'll ever find in your life is when you get down on your knees and you start saying, God, this is what's going on. This is what I'm facing. This is what I'm dealing with. I can't handle it no more. The enemies are coming after me on this side. The enemies coming after me on this side. I've got this going on. I'm carrying this load. I've got all this on my shoulders. I just don't know what to do anymore, God. And when you start letting him have it, start releasing it. Seems like the pressure goes off. Gets a little easy. God, you heard what they said about me. You know what they've done to them. But when you find the quiet relief in the arms of Jesus and just pop off, friend, let me tell you, just telling him all about it would release the pressure in your life. Just let him know about it. I, I can't fix it. I can't stop it. But God, you can fix it. God, you can stop it. I, I'm bringing it to you. Here it is. I'm going to lay it at your feet. And I'm going to trust that you will do something what I cannot do. And your life's going to be a lot better off. The pressure's going to go away. Prayer is a release. Let, let me just say this. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you have not used your prayer life correctly, effectively. I cannot tell you how many times I prayed and they started out like this. God, I just can't do it no more. You've heard what they said. You've heard what they've done. I hear it. They whispers. I hear it. Like, I just can't do it no more, God. But God, I'm just going to bring it to you. I'm just going to let you have it. You're weary and heavy hardened. Tell it to Jesus. Just run to him and let it out. Great pop-off valve. Prayer. Hezekiah's enemies came before him. Had him surround. Uh, Sennacherib had him surround uh, and sent him a letter. Say, well, you about ready to bite the dust here, buddy. So Hezekiah, what he does? He, he don't get fearful. He don't get afraid. Hezekiah goes right into the house of the Lord and takes that letter and lays it out on the altar and said, Lord, you see what they said. You've seen what they've done. You hear what they're saying about us. Now, God, I'm just going to trust that you're going to do something about this. And God does. And God does. Whatever the enemies are saying against you, what are they doing against you, what they're trying to do to you, take it to the Lord. You've got to have an effective prayer life. If you're going to live with the enemies that we are facing in this world today, the flesh, the world, the devil, and, and like I said this morning, the tactics have not changed on the devil. He's going to use every one of them against you. You've got to be able to have a prayer life that is effective towards God, and you know exactly when you need to get to your knees and start praying, when you can't handle what's going on in your life anymore. 
The problem is, most time when these things happen, people quit on God too quick. Give up on God. Don't seek God out. They seek the world out and find pleasure in that. You need a prayer life. You're going to live with an enemy. If you're going to make it without one, you better be in contact with the head man, Jesus. Because if you don't, you're going to run yourself crazy. They're going to tire you up. You know what a, uh, what a prayer life does for you? If you, if you get God fighting on your side. Verse 4, they, they're all in distress about what the enemy had said. They're all distressed about the coming in the midst of them and, and cutting their throats. Nehemiah said in verse number 20, In what place therefore you hear the sound of the trumpet? Resort ye th thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. Not only is he praying for protection, but when he prays, God's going to be on your side. He ain't just fighting with us, he's fighting for us now. You see, Sanballat and Tobiah thought it was just a fight against uh, one person. They thought it was a fight just uh, of just the work of God. But you know what? They're fighting God too. If it was God's people, it was God's work that they were fighting against. And God's going to stand up for that. When your enemies start fighting against you, if you're God's people, if you're God's person, and they're fighting against you and it's God's work, what God has called you to do in your life, mark it down. They have got on the wrong side of somebody that's big enough to stop them. For what they're doing. They're not just on the wrong side of your wrath, but they're on the wrong side of the wrath of God. You cannot make it Make it in this world without a prayer line. Mark it down. God does fight for his people. Now, he may not get it done the way you and I would like it to get done, but he does. The wheels of God's justice grind exceedingly slow, but they do grind exceedingly fine tonight. And vengeance is still mine, saith the Lord. And I will pay, and there is a God that revenges his people. He's not Doing it like you won't. But he'll get the job done tonight. You need a prayer life if you're going to live and survive among the enemies of this world tonight. You're going to need some persistence. Chapter 4, watch the persistence of these people in chapter 4. Verse number 21. So we labor in the work and half of them held their, the spear from the rising of the morning till the stars appear. Likewise, the same, same said I, I unto the people, let everyone with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be guard to us and labor on the day. So neither I nor my brethren nor my servants nor the men of the guards nor, uh, which follow me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that everyone put them on for washing. I love what he said in chapter 6, verse 3. When Sam Ballot and Tobiah called on him to come down, Nehemiah says, I cannot come down. I cannot come down. You say, what all, is all that? That's about persistence. Persistence is, is one of the greatest attributes of a Christian walk. But it is the, it, listen to it, it is the biggest missing ingredient in a Christian walk today in today's society and churches today. 
We have people that are not persistent with God. There's no more persistent. Nobody, anybody. People will quit on the blink of an eye today. People will drop out of church, will drop out of the Bible, will no longer, when, when not even a big trial come their way, it just a little something come their way, they drop out. They, it, it's easy for people to quit than stick into it and keep going. They put on God like they put on clothes every day. If they don't like it, they just change it and go another way. Nehemiah said in chapter 6, verse 3, I cannot come down to you. Why? Why should the work cease? If Nehemiah comes off the wall, the work is going to cease and the work is going to suffer. I, I find in these passages, Sambalat and Tobiah, they try five different ways to get Nehemiah to quit. They try every angle they could. They, they tried fear. They tried talking bad about him. They tried, tried talking nice to him. They tried to get him to come down for a meeting. They even tried a third party and to come out and hit him and hide him out in the temple. Every which way they could, they tried. But Nehemiah just made his mind up. Nope, I'm not coming down. I'm not giving up. I'm staying right where I am. I'm not coming down. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. I'm going to stay where God has put me at. Now that's some good advice right there. Just stay where God has put you at. Make up your mind. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter which angle they come from. The devil will throw them at you in all different ways. The enemy will throw discouragement at you, depression at you. The enemy will throw heartaches and troubles and trials. Just make your mind whichever way they come. You're already expecting it. Because you know the enemy are out there. The enemy are out there. You ain't moving regardless what the enemy says or does. Just don't quit. Be persistent. Anybody know, ever heard of a football player called Walton Payton? One of the greatest running backs, 10 years, Chicago Bears. They called him Sweetness. 10 years. He gathered over 16,726 rushing yards. It's over nine miles of yards. They were, they were talking about him, talking about the, his rushing records and stuff. And they said, man, that man, over nine miles he ran. And he averaged a carry of 4.4 yards per carry. One of the commentators they were talking about said, yeah, he, he averaged nine miles per carry, uh, for yards. And he carry was 4.4 yards. That means he got knocked down an awful lot of times. But he kept getting back up. In fact, they said if you, if you average it out and everything, he got knocked down 3,800 times in his career. And when he got knocked down, he'd just get back up and say, hey, give me that rock. I'm ready to go again. He was not quitting. That's what you call perseverance. I ain't quitting. I'm not coming down. The Bible said, but just man falls seven times and rises up again. You say, what is that? That's being persistent. If you think you're going to fall every once in a while, and you are going to fall every once in a while. 
there are going to be some falls and the enemy is going to be there with you. And they're going to point and laugh at you and just make fun of you. But you've got to make your mind up. You ain't going to stay down. I, I may slip. I may fall. But I've made my mind up. I'm going to get up again. You ain't got to worry about it. Just don't quit. That's what it's going to take living with enemies. I, I, I was looking online. I tried to find something to go along with this uh, outline here. And I found this. Edgar Albert Guess. Born in 1881. Six years from my grandfather was born. Hmm. Tells you how old he was. And he wrote this poem in late 800s, 1800s, early 1900s. And, and I loved it. When I got to reading it, I said, man, that's the way. It says, when things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you are trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, and you want to smile, but you have to sigh, when cares are pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but just don't quit. Life is weird with this twist and turn, as every one of us sometimes learn. And many a fellow turns about when they might have won, had they stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Often the gold is nearer than it seems to faint and faltering man. Often the struggles has given up where they might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late that when the night had came, how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned upside down, inside out. The silver tint of a cloud of a doubt. And when you never can tell how close you are, it may be nearer than it seems afar. So stick to the fight when you heard the hardest hit. It's when things seem worse, you must not quit Amen. must not quit Amen. how are you going to survive in this world living among the enemies first of all you got to have a prayer life you've got to have a prayer life then you got to be persistent in your serving with God then it's going to take some proof it's going to take some proof he said what do you mean proof chapter 6 verse 15 the Bible says so the wall was finished in the 20th and 5th day of the month of Elu in the 50 and two days, 50 and two days, the wall was finished. Can I say that's remarkable? <laughs> I mean, these stones ain't little bitty stones. These are massive, hewed out stones they got out. They got. It's less than two months they built this wall. And this is not a little wall. It's a massive wall. It was built by hands. They didn't have tractors and everything else. They built this wall by hand. Talk about persistence. They got a wall done and watched the proof. Verse 16. And it came to pass when all the enemies heard thereof and all the heathen that was about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eye. Watch the proof. For they perceived that this work was lawful of our God. They eventually had to admit God must have been in it with them. God must have been in it with them. Eventually, if you just keep on, if you just keep praying, just keep being persistently going, eventually people will not be able to deny that God is with you and you're working for God. It's easier for them to discredit you than when you give up and walk away. 
But it's hard for somebody to discredit you that you're living for God if you keep getting up, keep getting up, and keep going and just watch what God can do in your life. Sooner or later, they're going to have to quit picking on you, quit bringing these accusations against because now they see certainly you must be with God. They've tried everything they can to get you tripped up, but you kept going. You kept going. It's hard for them to discredit you when you keep walking for God. And they, and they know that because they've tried everything in the book. They come at you in every angle trying to get you tripped up, but you still are walking with God. Luke chapter 14. Talking about proof. People have to see proof in your life of you say who you are. They need, they need to see that. I mean, you can say you're a Christian all day long, but some of us don't get proof. Luke chapter 14, verse 28. I, I, I love this. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counted the cost? If you're going to live for God, you better count the cost. You better count the cost. Because it's going to cost you something. Whether he has sufficient to finish it, less happily after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it, be, it be, began to mock him, saying, This man began to build, was not able to finish. When you live for God for two, three, four years and just jump up and quit, they will say, I knew that wasn't real. I knew that you didn't have the real thing. I knew you was lying. I knew that was something right about that. But when you turn away from the things that you were doing, you turn away from the drugs, you turn away from the alcohol, and you say, I'm not doing that more, and you keep going, and people looking at you, they're waiting for you to fall. They're waiting for you to slip up so they can point their finger at you. I told you this wasn't real, but let me just say, just pick yourself back up and say, I made a faulkner here. I made a slip here, but I'm going to keep going for God. I'm just going to keep going, and sooner or later, they'll see the proof in my life what I'm talking about. I am serving God. And the Bible says, and the Bible says, one of the worst enemies to have is one of your own household. You know, it's hard to show proof to our families. It's hard to show proof to our friends when you're laughing and joking with them, when you're carrying on with them. The things that you were doing with your friends and you're not changing. Well, I go to church now, but you're still doing the same thing. That's not proof. Proof is that when you're doing those things that they, you, they used to they do and you don't, you don't want to do them no more, you turn your back and walk away from it, they start seeing that proof. There's some change in your life. Has anybody ever been told, I've seen something in your life different than what it used to be? That's the proof. That's the proof. Now, don't, get, don't get the big head on this now. I said that's the proof now. But if you don't keep the guard up and keep walking for God, that proof can slip away. You say, well, I've been serving God for 10, 15, 20 years. I don't care how long you've been serving God. You can still step up and fall down and walk away from God. And people will say, even after 20 years, that ain't real. You got to keep pushing. Keep pushing. 
Keep pushing. They're looking for proof. You got a lot better opportunity to win your friends and your family. They can see proof in your life that you are what you say you are. Amen. Amen. When everything in your life comes crashing down on you, the chips are down, you just keep on serving God. They would have to admit that's real. That's religion. I must have. I read a story about uh, Isaiah, Isaiah Potts. Back in the colonial war when we was fighting them people across the sea over yonder, England. I was hesitant about telling the story, but I thought I'd tell it anyway. <laughs> I read the story. It's uh, Isaiah Potts. He's, he was uh, on the British side. And uh, he was uh, going down the road in a field in some woods there, and he was going down the road. And uh, it was uh, at Valley Forge. It was a miserable time. It was a horrible time. And he said he was going down the road, and he heard somebody saying something. So he got off his horse, tied his horse up, and started sneaking down in the woods. He says, what I saw was a man on his, on his knee, one hand on his sword, and his other hand with his hat cuffed into on, on his knee. And he was praying. He was praying. And he said, got to looking at it real close, and got to looking at it. It was George Washington praying, asking God for guidance, asking God for deliverance, asking God to help him because it was a horrible time. And he said, I've seen that man, that man, that great man, George Washington, down on his knees praying to God. He says, if that's religion, then I want something. He went home and told his wife about what had happened to him. He told a friend of what happened to him. And he said, right from that time, he went from being British and became a Whig to American. Amen. See, he, he, he was looking for proof. And the proof was right there before him as he seen this man on his knees praying to God. He, was see, he wanted something to, for real in his life and he saw it. That's what the world is looking for you and I to give them some, something that's real, something they can get a hold of, something they know is not fake. Paul was shipwrecked on Melita. I'm finished. I read this and I said, ooh, that's good. <laughs> he was shipwrecked in Melita. He's out gathering woods and they're all around the fire and there's these uh, 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 people around him, the enemy, what you call the island. And he's getting ready to put some fire on the wood and a snake, a viper, reached out and latched onto him. And all he did was shook it off in the fire. Now, the enemy was sitting there watching him because they knew that snake was poisonous. They just sitting there watching and said, that boy going to swell up and die. We know what that was that bit him. We know that. So they kept sitting there and sitting there and said, wait a minute. Somebody right here, this man should have done died. <laughs> they said, I perceive this man to be a god. No, he just told him. Then he got to witness it to him. Sharing the gospel with them. That's how you and I do it. They need to see something in your life that's real. And the enemy is watching you. The enemy is watching you right now. They're seeing you. They see watching you. I want to see something. Is it real? Is it, is it fake? I, I need to see evidence. I need to see proof of what you say is true. You start showing proof of who you are. 
God will shine to you bigger than you'll ever seen. Amen. Amen. There's going to be enemies. There are always going to be enemies until the day Jesus Christ comes back. It's going to be enemies. We can't stop that because we are an enemy in ourselves and our own flesh. The world is our enemy. The devil is our enemy. We cannot stop it. But let me tell you what. You can live amongst your enemies and live a Christian life that is pleasing to God. Amen. 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 